burp and away we go. What's up, people? It's Critical Mess. It is episode 15. This is the podcast where some dudes in the ad business rap about movies that critics and audiences don't agree on. I am Nick Honeywell. I'm here with my buds, Mr. Grizz Griswold, Mr. Brian McCullough, and producer Ben, here in the flesh, here with us tonight. How excited are we about this, guys? Oh, man. It's like a breath of fresh air. He's back. Hey, guys. This is Brian McCullough. Um, I love depressing movies, the soundtrack to How to Train Your Dragon, and Tom Arnold in True Lies. <laughs> so, so sad, but I love it. All right. Hey, guys. This is Grizz. Uh, and quickly, I'm going to start the episode with my own um, uh, segment that is brand new, and I'm just going to call it What the Hell is Grizz Watching? Uh, so first off, we all love movies here at Critical Mess, uh, but I'm obsessed with everything about movies, including props, but specifically around watches. So now that Ben's here, I've been waiting. I think I asked you guys maybe just over a month ago what your five favorite movies were, and there was a reason. So I rewatched all of your guys' movies Oh wow! in the purpose of finding a watch from one of your favorite movies and then purchasing them for each of you what oh my so gosh. i did a bunch of what research surprise. watching what? a lot of movies wow. wow uh yeah so fun little uh segue here shut up but i have You're reaching in, into a bag in my camera bag what what it's one for wrapped. Them. oh yeah absolutely what? i wrapped these bad Amazing. boys so and there i hope mine's a little casio like cheap ass plastic. oh heck no <laughs> no 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 i had a small little budget for this Ooh. so we're gonna start with ben right off the bat so don't look at him too close you two first we'll okay. go ben one I'll, at a time I'll keep but Ben has oh, here nice. a wonderful Casio. But Ben's top five list, one Vintage. included a pretty new movie called uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So this uh, watch is the Casio reference A158WA. Oh, yeah. Worn look at, by look at that. Kui Kwan. It looks Amazing. like my grandpa's so, watch. And knowing wow. that Ben just became a father, this is the most <laughs> ultimate dad watch, Casio from the 80s style. Uh, so <laughs> I had to go and pull this out. This is uh, incredible. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you guys might <laughs> like this. So going through. So Brian, you can go ahead and open yours if you haven't already. Yep, here it is. But, I got it. I'm looking at it. It's a black band and a gold <laughs> rectangle. Okay, tell so me about this. What's this the provenance? Here is a a vintage gold rotary reference one zero six zero nine. So this is from the eighties, mid eighties. Worn by actor Harrison Ford in the interrogation room of the heated speech as he pleads for his case in The Fugitive. Oh, The Fugitive. Yes. yes my fourth favorite movie, of, fifth favorite movie of all time. Nice. You got it. Nice. All <laughs> Thank right, you. So what a, what a an amazing very treat. outrageously unique watch. But the, uh, the cool thing about it is it's not like a flashy watch. It's nothing crazy. It's very simple. But... It's very elegant. I love it. And it took me a few watches to find out, like, viewings of the movie and the scene to figure out exactly which watch it was. But, uh, and then the penultimate. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear Nick, about this. <laughs> uh, you're going to love this. But, so, this is a Tag Heuer ref 3000 series, reference 932.206. So, the reason for this is, this is classic mid-80s reference, uh, worn by none other than Bruce Willis as John McClane in Die Hard. No way. Oh, that so, is sexy. That is uh, so cool. The only difference is it does not have the chronograph function. Not a big deal. It's the same fit, finish, movement, everything, down to the exact everything. So just imagine it covered in blood and a bunch of dust and uh, just hitmen blood. And, dude, this is know. so cool. This is a real Tag Heuer? Yes. Yeah. That is so cool, dude. So it's a wonderful little timepiece. I 
wow. found a decent Thanks. little deal on all of them, so I was all for it. But look at this guy. So wow. yes, back look to the whole reference guy. of watches and talking about them. Each one of these films, there was a reason each one of these people wore these watches. And so whether you guys actually wear watches or not, or you want to put them on your shelf as just decor. Oh, it's, it's movie memorabilia. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it, at the very least. Yeah, so, uh, and I currently am wearing the uh, Casio from Back to the Future. I just purchased uh, that Michael J. Fox wears as Marty McFly. So, Can uh, you see that? Yeah, so it's the oh, calculator yeah. watch oh, yeah. from oh, yeah. the 80s. So yeah. I couldn't resist grabbing this for myself. So totally. we all have a timepiece from movies and history and all that stuff. So It's perfectly. There you go. See? And it's not stretchy, so it won't grab your insane number of hairs. And you know what? We'll actually show the listener when they become the viewer when we start uploading to YouTube at a certain point in go. time when we get our studio. And then you'll actually be able to see these glorious timepieces <laughs> time that now adorn our wrists. <laughs> wow, Grizz, you are a scholar and a gentleman. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. I am unworthy. I like, yeah, absolutely. I like this segment. Yeah, it's yeah, a pretty good segment. Great great segment. I knew. So this is the yeah. first of this, but it will not happen often. I do not think very many movies, like all three of these has a reason in the movie, in the plot, why they have them. The tag is a very beat to hell, you know, it's affordable for a cop of the 80s, so it's it's perfect for his character. Same with the $22 Casio that, you know, he, his character wear, and then also the gold. Kind of makes you appreciate the intentionality behind costume design yeah. in movies. And so, There's a lot more intentionality, I think, than, than we give them credit for usually. Yeah, and so. I'm, uh-huh. I'm a big, you know, watch guy, so it's fun to, like, catch these things inside movies. But to kind of segue into the movie we're watching today, um, it helps because, thankfully, all these, as silly as this movie is, um, Deep Blue Sea, uh, we have to say that, uh, they all have dive watches or some sort of watch that actually can be used in oceanic exploration. I didn't and even notice. See. So, uh, including a tag by the main character. So, yeah. Here we go. Well, it can only go downhill from I, here. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. Man, what? Yeah, geez. Okay. Well, let's just go on to our humble icebreaker, I guess. But, <laughs> but, but Grizz, yeah, once again, that was, that was amazing. So, um, yeah, awesome. Okay, wow. here here is the icebreaker for tonight. A simple icebreaker, but I think a really interesting icebreaker. And I hope something pops to mind um, for you all. Uh, but the uh, the question tonight is, what's a movie you walked out of? And I'm happy to start if you need a second. I actually, I, I have one. Okay, yeah, um, please. It's, it's a movie that I walked out of, but I then came to appreciate later. I walked out of Superbad. Wow. Which really? I deeply regret because that's an, a, yeah, great, a great movie. Of all people and of all movies, I'm shocked you walked out of that one. Yeah. Well, dang. You know, what can I say? At one point in time, I burned all my Pantera CDs after a church <laughs> camp. So, you know, we all have our lapses in judgment. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, walked out of. Uh, I think it had to have been uh, Age of Adeline, but the only reason why was because they were supposed to be showing uh, Age of Ultron the <laughs> Avengers movie. And that's the only real reason I've walked out. I give a lot of credit to movies, so I usually try to give them every bit of chances I can, but that's the one I walked out of for sure. All right. And I, um, I'm going to be greedy and go with two. Cause I honestly only can think of two. I'm sure I've walked out of something else, but I can only think of two. And, uh, one was the day after tomorrow, mm. Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal, Dennis Quaid, <clears throat> that movie, I, I still haven't seen the last whatever hour of that movie. Is it that was a Roland just... Emmerich uh, joint? Or, you know, he does all the disaster movies. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Okay. Actually, okay. it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, but yeah, my goodness, did I struggle. Did I struggle hmm. with that film? That was that was torturous. And the um, film won. 
Yeah. Um, the other one is Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Wait, you told <laughs> oh, me to watch man. that. <laughs> I, I maybe did, but I was probably doing that just to, you know, be facetious or something. I'm I'm not sure I, I, why I would have said that. Maybe maybe I, maybe I was mad at you at the time. Oh, no, maybe, maybe you just said we should add it to our list. It might have just been added to the list. Okay, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't. But it, regardless, it was. Um, oh my gosh, that movie was was just so shitty. Yeah, that, that's on our list, by the way. So we will yeah. be doing an episode on that. Which okay. uh, now I really look forward oh, nice. to. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, this was also what, what was I probably like seventeen or something. I might love it now. I might think it's brilliant. So, anyways. Well, yeah. the critics gave it a thirteen percent. So you know. Probably. Yeah, it's probably going to be pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, tonight. We are talking about a film from 1999. Um, so actually, just just one year later than last episode's film, Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, this one's a little different. It's a little bit different. A little bit. Uh, I'd call it, uh, I think it's fair to say this is some sort of sci-fi horror mashup, I guess. Is mm. that, that fair to say? Um, it is not a Jaws ripoff. Uh, I hold very highly to that. I will, I will challenge you on okay, that in great. one very specific way. Oh, okay. Yep, there's a couple things, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Don't say because there's a shark in it, but... There's well, a lot was, of sharks was, in it. There's three. Well, we, we let, let's let's hold off on that for okay. one second, okay. but I think we're going to talk about but that. But I think your your sci-fi horror mashup is spot on. Yep. It, it is directed by Rennie Harlan, who... Um, and a, a, a little bit of a connection to uh, our new segment tonight, uh, What Grizz is Watching. He uh, directed Die Hard 2, Nice. Which I think is the most underrated Die Hard film um, by kind of a lot. So uh, Die Harder of the uh, original three, not the crap that came out after that, right? I have proudly never seen anything past Die Good. Hard. 3. Oh wow, yeah, okay. keep I that, respect yeah. that. Keep that. And Die Hard One. Keep in mind, Die Hard One is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I've refused. Yeah, I've refused. Well, sort of like Matrix is my what third favorite of all time, and I don't acknowledge like the Matrix Four. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you got to you got to draw a fucking line you, somewhere. You do. And you know where I draw the line? Justin Long and PG thirteen. Ooh, that's where I draw the line. And you know, and I, and that's a little bit of a bash on Justin Long, and I've come to like him a little bit more. You didn't um, love he's I, not that into you. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, no, Sorry. what I did what I did love though was Barbarian, um, and he he's he's been decent in some stuff. But I but regardless, it's more the PG thirteen that deeply offended me about yeah, that. Yeah, Barbarians are so yeah. Yeah, the, but yeah, how are you going to make a diehard movie PG thirteen? Anyways, I digress. I digress. Rennie Harlan, um, he also directed Long Kiss Goodnight, which is um, a movie I I kind of like. Uh, a fun, goofy action movie. And Sam, J- Sam Jackson, right? Uh, same, also Sam uh, Jackson, uh, yep, That's a thread. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then one other notable Rennie Harlan film, Cutthroat Island. Gina Davis. I went and saw that in the theater like three times. Did you? I saw Whoa. it in the theater yeah. one time. Huge exploding <laughs> pirate ships. I was I probably was 14. Yeah, yeah. I ate that movie up. It's probably shit. Yeah, it wasn't very good. I didn't think it was very good when I was 13. I did. <laughs> yeah, apparently you did, right? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, but I definitely went and saw it. And it, I, no, I, I, I'm pro- it probably was good, actually. What am I, who am I kidding? Um, so, anyways, the movie tonight, Deep, Deep Blue Sea. Um, it's a movie that people have opinions about. I know we're going to have some opinions about it. It stars Saffron Burroughs, Thomas Jane, LL Cool J, Jacqueline McKenzie, Michael Rappaport, who I totally forgot was in this movie, which is kind of funny. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, he's one of the stars. Skarsgårds, I I take it he's mm-hmm. got to be. He's yeah. kind of like the 
kind of like the Stephen Baldwin, maybe kind of like a very a lesser. Or is he famous? He's and I just the dad. Don't really, right? well, he's yeah. the dad. He's so the he's dad, probably dad. like famous. And I yeah. am now. Yeah, he's he's famous. He's in all kinds of he's stuff. Also, highly okay. regarded. I don't even know. Who, I'm, I must sound like an idiot now. But who is what? What's he ma- mostly famous for? Like a, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill well, Hunting. And yep. he. I, I don't know if you guys have seen any Lars von Trier, but he he plays some. Some pretty interesting parts in Lars von Trier movies. So okay. he's, so he's, he's the, the patriarch, uh, a Scandinavian uh, tied in with those movies, which is Lars von Trier. So, gotcha. Yes, he's the patriarch. Gotcha. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. He's great, by the way. I, I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I recognize him, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't obviously know that he was um, a big deal. Um, of course, Samuel L. Jackson. That's uh, you know one of the, maybe the the prime draw of this film. He's obviously amazing. Uh, the budget for this bad boy was something like uh, sixty to eighty million. Took in about one hundred sixty-five million worldwide. So you know, that's that's solid. Might have broke bad. even. That's with that's marketing. solid. Yeah, that's, that's something. A super quick refresher about the criteria for the movies we talk about. So, got to be fresh with critics and rotten with audiences, or vice versa. Um, using Rotten Tomatoes, and the disparity needs to be at least twenty percent or so. So um, tonight. Uh, this is our 15th episode, so we're doing a, a fresh critic rating and a rotten audience rating. Um, so we're, we're kind of doing that every fifth if we, if we feel like it, I guess. And we feel like it tonight. So this movie tonight is uh, 60% with critics, so barely fresh, just by the thinnest of margins. And uh, 39% with audiences. So, so guys, I just got to say off the bat here, um, this one's pretty interesting. And I was a little surprised by this because I thought this was kind of pretty universally a loved movie, at least but among my peers. So I was kind of surprised it was such a low audience score. And I can't believe it's fresh with critics. That is just shocking to me. Let me make one comment. So if you if you had to ask, if I had to guess before I saw the ratings, I would have said this was a 60 critic, 80 audience. That that would have been okay. what I would have surmised. Or maybe a 50 critic, 70 audience, right? So a 60, 39 is weird. But for our adept listener, I will I feel like it behooves us to announce what the actual out of 10 rating is on Rotten Tomatoes. And it tells a vastly different story. And we didn't know this before we planned to do this episode. So let's just let this be a little, you know, caveat. Uh, this movie has a 5.7 out of 10 with critics and a 6 out of 10 with audiences. So oh, wow. actually, the audience... Where did that the, score the, come from? Rotten Tomatoes. Is- so the, the audience rating out of 10 is higher on this movie than critics, but the percentage of favorable is lower than mm. critics. So this is a kind of a, a, a case study on the good use cases and also the bad use cases for just looking at the tomato meter. And so if I'm reading that correctly, so the people like who like it really like it. Right. 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 And, the, it, and the people who pol- don't like it really don't. It's very polarizing. polarizing. Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Very interesting. So, so let's, let's get into this, to this movie. Um, when did, when did we see it guys? When did we see it for the first time and how many times have we seen it after that? Uh, I saw this a lot because it was just on repeat and on cable and USA or whatever it was. But I, I remember really enjoying this and just going back to it, just very curious to see whether I loved it or hated it or I don't know if we're giving out our ratings now, but that, he didn't ask us to, but okay. sure. Um, yeah, I give it a 55 out of 100. Okay. And, and did you see this in the theater, by the way? Uh, I did see it in theaters. It had to have been what, in, what 99. It was 99. So yep. I was definitely preteen or teenager. Um, I remember really liking this and just really just, I would have put, just like Can't Hardly Wait, our last episode, seeing this and like just remembering that I thought it was like a 70 or an 80 or something like that. And then watching it again and being just super let down by how poorly it aged. So 
Yeah, I saw it in the theater uh, once, and then it. W- I worked at Circuit City in '99, so I got like store cost on all the, the physical media, and DVDs were really exploding in '99. So this was probably w- within the first about ten DVDs that I purchased to own. Um, and oh, wow. owned it probably up until about eight years ago when I sent them all to Half Price Books. Uh, so I've seen it maybe, including a couple of days ago, I'd say f- four times maybe total. I, I honestly cannot remember if I saw this in the theater or not. It's definitely possible. <clears throat> um, I just, I just, I really don't remember, but I know I saw it several times right in that, in the era that it came out in 99, 2000, probably two or three times. Um, and I don't, I don't think I've seen it since then. I think I, if I, if I were a betting man, I'd say it was my fourth viewing of this movie last night. So, uh, but yeah, um, but we, I think we got to give our other ratings. Grizz, what was your rating again? A 50, 55. 55. Yep. Okay. Brian, what, where, where are you at here? I'm giving it a 65. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Let me check the old notebook. Are here. we <laughs> finishing our, our beers? <laughs> yeah. Are we yeah, finishing we our beers? Close. We're not. Oh, dang. dang okay. We're not. I'm giving this movie a 71. Oh, wow. shit. I, okay. I don't know why I'm so happy about that rating. <laughs> it felt, <laughs> felt really good to give it. I just, yeah. That just made me happy inside. I yeah. really wanted to give it a 70 to an 80 range, but uh, yeah, I've watched it twice this in the last week just to like get a refresher for all of it and just remember all the things. I remember a lot about this movie. But Nick, were you surprised to give it a 71? Or was that about what you expected on, on the recent watch? That's a good question. I would say it's a little bit higher than I would have expected to give it. I would say it's in the 10, 10 to 15 points higher than I would have thought. I, I, and I'm, I would have thought, you know, I haven't seen this since I, you know, was maybe 20 years ago. I would have thought going into it, I would have given it probably like a 50 or lower. Mm-hmm. So the 65 was, I really wrestled with this because I thought to myself, I can pick apart this movie so much, but like, what is the movie trying to do ultimately? And what's it trying to be? And does it, su- does it succeed there? And that is what informed a lot of what my rating. That's a big part of my score. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do think it's very successful at what it tries to do. Speaking of, you're listening to Critical Mess. Uh, we're talking about Deep Blue Sea, and we are sponsored tonight by, do we have a try sponsorship tonight? I, there's a lot going on here tonight. This one's I mean, empty, the, the so we The sponsors are clamoring to, 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 to get at this show, clearly, with all, with all the gifts that are sitting on the table here. So, you know. Yeah. There is there is a lot of demand for our airtime, and, you know. Yep. Our PO good. box was absolutely packed. What are our sponsors, Nick? Our sponsors are Buffalo Trace, the world's oldest and most distinguished brand of whiskey. Is that a made-up fact? Maybe. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> Might Producer be. fact check. <laughs> Where's our intern? We're also brought to you by just a scooch of 1792, which I think is kind of the undercover, the, the really what kind of carries the torch. Shout as, out to Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shout out to Vaughn. For, on the, for enlightening us on, on the, the goodness of 1792. 17, 17, I don't know what year it is, but shit, it's a good year. <laughs> it's a good year, whatever yeah. that vintage is. Yeah, it is. Um, and then, you know, of course... Madalo, Madalo, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, you're always part, part of what we do and in our hearts. So, okay. That's a real fact. How'd you know what, that? What? It's the uh, oldest continuing, continuously operating distillery. I thought maybe I heard that one at one point, but I, I was like sixty percent sure. So I was just like, we'll just throw it out. Well, we'll throw out the fact sticks. that it's the only one in a glass bottle. It's it the is, only bourbon. It's the only bourbon yeah, that comes in glass. That's a fact bottle. for sure. You can, right. Don't fact check us, Ben. 
All right, so we're at a 55, a 65, and a 71. So yep. not a lot of dissension here. There's, there's what, 16 points between the lowest and highest. Yep. We're all above a 50. Uh, but it sounds like we probably could all say some good and some bad about the movie. Maybe Grizz to more of an extent than, than the rest of us. Yep. Yeah, and we're, we're definitely going to do that. I think um, what I want to do first is let's, let's talk a little bit about the reviews. Let's talk about you know, why critics and audiences don't agree on this movie. Remembering that, of course, it's, it's flipped this week. So, uh, and, and, and guys, I'm a little bit at a loss on this one. I yeah. mean, I already said that earlier, but I think maybe this is fresh with critics because it, as, as we've already said a little bit, it's, it, it sets out to do something and kind of accomplishes that in a fun and sometimes interesting and surprising way. I think you know. I think the movie takes risks for sure, and I think some of those risks do not pay off very well. And I think a couple of them pay off epically. So um, that's yeah. maybe something. I, and I did a, a pretty deep dive on the on the reviews this week because they were so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the through line I could find was a deep dive. Yeah, there we go. I love it. Nice. How many of those are we going to unintentionally say? Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I think I think the the key takeaway for me was that I found um, audiences ex- uh, comparing it to a certain movie that I've already mentioned way more often than critics. And comparison is such a nasty thing. You know, we, we know in life, to, we, when you compare yourself to other it, people, you're just not going to be good. It's the thief of joy. That's I, See, I knew when I said yeah, comparison is, go. I knew there was a, a, a suffix to that. Thank you. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's what happened to the audience here much more commonly than the critics. Uh, the uh, many, many, many of the user uh, audience scores mention Jaws in some way or another. Out of the 115 critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, only four even mentioned Jaws. So clearly, it was not in the in the general zeitgeist of the critics. They were not coming into this movie going, "All right, Jaws is a masterpiece. Everybody knows it." Um, and Let's let's see how this movie ad- adds up, and it's just gonna fall short. So I think that's why audiences didn't like it, but critics really did not say that. Like I said, only four of them mentioned it. So I'll read a couple of them here. Uh, first, the consensus, and it's funny <laughs> that whole preamble. I'm gonna completely um, go back on myself because the critics' consensus does mention Jaws, but again, that's not a specific critic. That's just the consensus. It says, "Deep Blue Sea is no Jaws, but action fans seeking some toothy action can certainly do, and almost certainly have done, far worse for B movie thrills." So there's an expectation. It's a B movie, right? So if you set your expectations as a, as a B movie, you're gonna it's gonna come off a different way and leave a different taste in your mouth. I think. Um, Can I ask a quick question? Actually, sure. Is this an A movie that is trying to be a B movie? I don't even really know the definition of a B movie, to be honest. I mean, I guess yeah. Actors, I, mean, it's a bit of I think a B movie is this, like actors that you kind of know that were thrown into the lead role that you may know from another film or secondary from another film, but are not an A-list actor that you would know as a summer blockbuster. Yeah, or I think big, B, yeah, yeah. So that's what I think is okay. a B movie. Because you think of A-list actors, B-list actors, and C, and I think and that and holds so true here, with the exception of Sam, Sam Jackson. Everyone else, I think, Stellan Skarsgård is much more famous now. Even Thomas Jane has done more stuff. But So I think that's a great definition. Yeah, Thomas Jane. I mean, Thomas Jane, this was a huge jump for him yeah. to go into what he was or what he became. So. Well, really, really fast. Sorry, can I just say what? I think this, I, I just, I think this actually, this kind of occurred to me, but I think it's an A movie. Mm-hmm. Trying to be a B movie because it's got a it's got a like an eighty million dollar budget, 
for one, it's got bu- people in it I know. It's got at least a few people, actors that I know. It Does B-movie have to do with the budget, do you think, then? does that? Oh, kind yeah. Of, okay. But okay. Yeah, B-movies don't have, you know, usually tens and tens of millions of dollars, you know. Um, I don't know. Sorry. I, that okay. just occurred no. to me, and I think that's kind of interesting. That, no, that's a very interesting point, because I guess I've never really thought too much about and, what and they, makes a B-movie. They thought that, you know, they had a very specific audience. They were going up, they were yeah. like, we're going to spend a bunch of movie and tr- mo- money and try and do a B-movie. Well, let's see if that's the thread with a couple of these uh, critic reviews. Keith Phipps, uh, Phipps of the AV Club says, Deep Blue Sea, a sort of cross between Aliens, so there's, actually, I don't know if Aliens is a horror movie, but definitely sci-fi, Aliens without the thrills, and The Poseidon Adventure without the camp compensations, doesn't deliver the killer shark versus A-list character actor thrills you crave. So that was a negative review. But he's comparing it not to Jaws, but he's comparing it to Aliens and The Poseidon Adventure. Uh, Ian Nathan of Empire Magazine. Deep Blue Sea is about giant sharks eating people, and that's exactly what you get. Mike LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle. Call it silly, call it obvious. There's nothing more obvious than a shark attack. But this is one of the few big fish horror films that still has the power to surprise. And I like that element of surprise. This movie, I've seen it before, and it still surprised me about five times. Um, and then a couple more here. Alec Cawthorn of BBC. Despite scene after scene of mayhem, Harlan, who's the director, manages to create and sustain extremely well-coiled tension. And that's another concept I wanted to bring out is the tension of this movie. I think there's a lot of tension in this movie, and I think tension in a movie is a good thing. Jeff Miller of the Houston Chronicle. A gross, flagrant, in broad daylight violation of the law of billing. What's the law of billing? That you don't kill off your main actor? Is that what he means? Mm, yeah, I guess so. Is he referring to the death scene? Yeah, I guess. I, I say the death scene. I don't yeah, the, know what else he's talking alert, about. Spoiler alert, just FYI, yeah. this movie's 24 years old. So just. <laughs> and then lastly, Roger Ebert. The movie is a skillful thriller directed by Rennie Harlan, who made Die Hard 2 and Cutthroat Island, and here assembles a neat package of terror, sharks, and special effects. I knew he would like this. Yeah. This is his kind of movie. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. It's, I, I think it's because the movie did what it was trying to do, and yeah. I think he respects that, and yeah. I do too. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, there, there's a smattering of critic reviews, guys. I think, you know, I, I cherry-picked some of those, but um, I think, you, again, you're not hearing them compare it to Jaws. You're just, hearing, you're just seeing them accept the movie as it is and judge it based on how it is. Any thoughts about some of those reviews, or do you agree, disagree? I mean, I, I think those reviews were uh, summed up a lot of, of how I thought about the movie, and I think kind of corroborate what we already were saying yep. earlier. Yep. Um, I, 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 one thing, I, let's touch on this now before we forget the, the Jaws thing, because you brought that up in the you know, kind of part of the reviews here. So the way for me this movie really um, shamelessly imitated Jaws was the scene where the body underwater still strapped to the like the gurney like surprises mm-hmm. Thomas Jane just like the old oh. dead sailor or you know or whoever the guy in the boat in the porthole in the yeah that's yeah. one of the best jump scares of all time yeah it is a super scary jump and that one got me as a kid it badly. gets me every time yeah um great scene by the way oh great, yeah great. We're, we're we're watching, watching Skarsgård get his arm torn off yeah um, made a note about that really well is, done. Yeah, this is kind of the first big sort of super violent action sequence of the movie. Right at the turn of the first act. Uh, it's bright. It's Now they're doing half frames, but they were doing slow motion before, back to slow motion, really bright, um, and it looked real. I, I thought they did a really did, great job. They did a really good job with that CG 
cot right there. Yeah. Yeah. That could have looked way worse than it did. That was one of my notes. That's why I kind of I highlighted it. Yeah. And I, so I'll read critic. I'll read some audience reviews later in, in the rapid fire because what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it and just get like a one word like reaction from you guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think. I think that it does, it does, obviously there's going to be some Jaws overlap. Um, and, you know, I'd say this is kind of a horror movie just like Jaws. So they're the same genre as well. So it's hard to get away from the shark, the, the shark in the room, if you will, uh, and, Jaws. I, and to be clear, it was really only that one thing that was killing me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I thought they did a pretty good job of not ripping Jaws off. But that Agreed. one, and I sw- the way just the music crescendos instantly, it was just a, just a total imitation of that scene, in my opinion. I'll give you that. Yep. This is Critical Mess. We are talking about Deep Blue Sea. We are sponsored tonight by... Who are we not sponsored by tonight? We're sponsored by Buffalo Trace. We're sponsored by Modelo. We're sponsored by the beautiful, beautiful year of 1792. Sponsored by Red Solo Cups. What uh, <laughs> Red Solo Cups. Now you're just looking at things in the room and saying... <laughs> Casio watches. <laughs> Liquid Death. We love Liquid Death. Yes, that's, that's a big sponsor of ours, too. Got to stay hydrated. Got to stay hydrated, people. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about so so obviously we all kind of kind of liked this movie. Um, I think we've covered a, a fair bit already of what we liked about it. I, I don't think it's too early for us to jump right into one of our fabled segments. Flip the script. Um, I want to I want to start flipping. Um, I want to start flipping with you, Grizz. Okay. Because I feel like I mean you were you were kind of the most middling out of all of us. So, but I guess you would consider it... Well, let's ask him. Can I just ask you real quick? Knee-jerk, like, regardless of what you rated it, knee-jerk reaction, did you like Deep Blue Sea? I actually was going to say I really enjoyed this movie. Okay, perfect. And that's the hardest thing about trying to rate it as a technical film and all these things, all these aspects about it, dialogue and actors and things. And, and then I looked at it and I was just like, I really enjoyed it, but it had a lot of flaws but I still really liked a lot. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard. Well, it goes back to the dichotomy of, of critic versus enjoyability yeah. and all that. And of course, that's going to be wrapped up in all yeah. of our reviews. So I, I wanted to ask that because, like, yes, 55, that's your official review, but you you generally liked the movie rather than not liked it. So for purposes of Flip the Script, so we're, we'll all be talking about it from a negative viewpoint yep. at this point in time. Yep. Yep. Go. Flip uh, it. From a negative standpoint, yes. you say. Um, I, don't, I think the the... <laughs> the dialogue was just outrageously off-putting for me. It's just it was super cringy throughout the entire film. Um, the plot is simple. I think it's... I tried to compare it to another film, but I don't know... I don't compare it to Jaws as much as maybe you guys. I thought the horror was actually pretty good. The suspense was really nice, but um, yeah, the dialogue just threw me off because a lot of the lines were just like one-liners, but then they would do another one-liner and another one-liner and then another... And they would just continue that as a conversation rather than something to put into the film. Uh, and then the uh, Samuel L. Jackson character saying, act as if I'm a, a complete idiot or whatever he says right at the beginning, which just opens up the whole film to let's have everything explained to me, the guy that needs the plot yeah, explained he's, he's to He's our them. expositional yeah, scapegoat. Yeah. Yep. So I had a really hard time with that. So on rewatch, that was very painful to watch over and over again. But, I mean, the suspense, the action, the the scares, all that stuff were great. You want me to flip it or do you want to flip it? Yeah, flip it. I'll flip it. Um, I, uh, I'll say a couple of things. The di- again, I-, I echo the dialogue. Dialogue was not the greatest. That was my note on that. 
Um, there were four common movie tropes that I hate. That and, I, and let's be clear, I hate about like 48,000 different movie tropes. I kind of just hate tropes. Not really, but you know what I mean. This movie had four of them, and we'll get to that in, in Brian's Corner. But, uh, uh, you know, that was a big part of it for me. Um, another one, this is kind of specific, but, you know, there were a lot of deaths in this movie. This kind of fits in sort of the genre of, you know, um, picking off one at a time. Kind yeah. of, that's, and that's a horror movie kind of vibe. And, I, and that's fine, you know. Yeah, it's like um, Scream. And it's they almost just like there's going to be yeah. one person alive in this group of eight at the end. Who's going to be, you know? Um, which, th- again, I, I'm they not They did shock you on who it was going to be, though. They, they did. They did I mean, a good I'll job. give them that. But I will say at a certain point, I thought that they switched over from doing it from a, like so, sort of a creative way to just a, let's purely shock the audience, even if it di- is disservice to the plot. And my one specific example of that is Susan. So Susan is like the main scientist lady. I don't, I can't remember her name. Curly blonde life. hair or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, she, uh, she was in Troy. She's the, you know, the through line in that, uh, her death, I believe her, she, hers was the last death. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, it didn't need to happen. And I, and I, Honestly, I think it shouldn't have happened because I think she actually had a character arc going. I think she really had a character arc going where she sort of she. I, I had a segment where I was going to compare everybody in this movie to, to a character from Jurassic Park, but it started to get a little convoluted, so I took it out. But I feel like she was the the, the Hammond of of uh, of Jurassic Park, right? The old man scientist who owned the island. She represented him. She was like the most important thing are these sharks and the research here. And by the end of the movie, she's ready to kill the shark in service of helping a human. And I think that's a strong arc. And then what happens as a result of that arc? She dies. I did not like that. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Can I just say I love that? Now, I loved her death. And I hated her. It's very memorable. Well, yeah, so what are we talking about here? She was an insufferable character. She needed to go. You were mad. And I'm mad she didn't go earlier. Because she was a terrible character but she by the end of the movie she changed and she really you just realized that character arc you just well i yeah. mean i just think why even have that character arc in a movie if you're going to punish them by killing them anyway you know what i mean it's not like she sacrificed herself it would have been different if she sacrificed herself would you at least give me that she didn't dive in front of somebody and take a bullet she was the, the deed was done everything was done and now she's just trying to climb out of the water and just haphazardly gets eaten it was a stupid end to a stupid character i, I that's a perfect way to put it I, I, that character could have been, and to me, and then we'll just start right there. That character was the worst character in this movie, I thought, by a lot. I'm sorry, Saffron. Um, worst as far as performance or character, or, or who the character was? I, 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 or both. Her performance was, you know, all the performances in this movie are pretty shitty, let's be honest. Uh, but her performance, I mean, she just wasn't given much to work with here. Mm. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. And she really does, for some reason, she just looks so worried all the time. Like in Troy, especially, she just has this worried face all the time. It's like I, I, I like I can't. They would just cut to her. She'd be crying or she's being always emotional worried and she's, sad. She's got an RWF. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I. So, anyways, which I get that's a big part of the character, but it just I was just getting a little sick of that expression constantly. So, anyways, she was not my favorite character. Obviously, um, it was nice to see her get munched in the end. Uh, but I, here's a, here's just a couple other little things. Um, the set I thought was pretty fatiguing. Um, we're just constantly getting sprayed with water, and we're just in this one place. It never moves. You know, it's it's just very kind of monotonous, I guess. And I know that's not a huge knock, but I just, you know, it's just kind of like you're looking at the same thing for the whole movie. Um, here's another not-so-big thing, but I was going to bring this up in rapid fire, but I'll bring it up now. Uh, what's the deal with, like, so many doors get opened, like, underwater in this movie? Has anyone ever tried to open a door underwater? I mean, maybe not, but that's like... 
I'm sorry. You can't. If gigantic waves of water are smashing through a door, or just the sheer pressure. Yeah, you can't close yeah. a door <laughs> yeah. that's just gushing. The water's gushing, especially a giant steel door. Or like a giant closing these glass, doors. A viewing glass that breaks, and they all push the door shut after it's filling yeah I don't there know. was just some goofy stuff like that which is like yeah. it, it made it hard to suspend my disbelief i guess so i know that's a kind of a minor thing but that was that was a little bit annoying uh i will say the cgi in this movie for the time is is, is pretty damn good but there were a couple of times it was pretty rough i would i would say you know one of the kind one of the times that jumps to mind is where um the two sharks are tearing the body apart is that is that samuel Samuel L. That's getting torn apart no, by the two sharks, was, or is that uh, uh, who is that? It would have been the Rappaport, Rappaport? Michael Rappaport. Yeah. What, oh, what's that character's yeah. Name? When he I reaches think... his arm out, and oh, I don't know where do the two sharks battle each other out, and they rip somebody in half, and they, then they swim off with them. Yeah, that's what. I'm, well, whoever whoever yeah. gets shredded there, the yeah. CGI is a little rough. Yeah, CGI it's pretty is bad. A little rough. Whenever they hit the water, that's when you can tell that the sharks are a little rough. But I mean, they did really well with the practical effects. I still think, but. Uh, for 99. We're flipping. <laughs> yes, yes, we are flipping. Um, okay, I'll, I'll just throw out one other little thing that, uh, or maybe this is kind of a bigger thing, that I think almost every movie can benefit from in some way, and that is some subtlety. I don't think this movie really has any subtlety in any single way, shape, or form. And let me just give you an example of how not subtle this movie is. Um, and, 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 but it's like almost trying to be subtle, but failing miserably. So the LL Cool J character, like the way they introduce his kind of character traits, you know, it's like, okay, he's religious. He's an alcoholic. He's a little bit perverted. He's a chef. I got it. (laughs) You know, they're like just hitting you on the hammer with like, he's like, I got a giant cross on his chest, you know? So like, obviously he's religious and like, he's looking at playboys, you know? And it's just like. I mean, I get it. We're developing the character, but the way they do it is just ham-fisted. Is is as I guess. What I think I'm he's saying. my least favorite character in the movie. Yeah, he's a kind even of an, more so than Susan. He's kind of an interesting. He's not my least favorite character. I I can see why you would say that though. His he's just he's he's the B story, you know. Yeah. So he's necessary yeah. for the movie in some way. But he's kind of off I, by himself through a lot. And of the he movie. saves everybody. I mean, yeah. let's yeah. be real. He just yeah. opens that door and goes, "Oh, hey, everybody," just <laughs> or whatever he's. <laughs> But yes, I agree, Nick. The they're punching you in the face with all of these personality traits of Rappaport's character being the smarty, you know, tech nerd guy or whatever, and he's just talking about this fence and the centimeters between this and that. It's just I agree, but I have seen worse with the oh, character archetypes. Absolutely. I have seen worse. Yeah. This movie could have been but worse. But it did it consistently it across very much every did. character. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's just very little nuance to the characters. Mm-hmm. And that and that's fine. I mean, especially for the kind of movie it is. But it's you know, it's also difficult to add nuance to characters in a movie of this length. It's a pretty short movie. This movie is about it's hour, an hour hour, hour and forty. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, I I I get that too. All right, you're listening to Critical Mess. We got a quad sponsor tonight. Uh, it is Buffalo Trace. It is Modelo. It is 1792, the best of years. And it is Liquid Fucking Death. Them sponsors is clamoring to get in on our action. Yes. Bitch. Yes, indeed. And um, and something, you know, and I just said Liquid Fucking Death there, and, and I want to point out something here. We haven't been cursing very much this episode, so guys, I want to hear a little bit more... Um, okay. A little bit more of that. Okay. Of, yeah, we can do that. You. It's an already um, film. But, but can it's... I also draw a parallel here? Not a lot of cursing in this film. And was especially for an R-rated movie, With Sam I was Jackson. surprised. There was, yeah, there was very, and I think there were only maybe 
two, maybe three F-bombs? There were not many. And I think they were at the end. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to give this movie some credit. It was took an R rating, and it didn't put boobs in it, and it didn't put a bunch of cussing in it, and it kind of dialed back the gore. I mean, there was a couple scenes. But I might I draw mean, the line a, there. There was a decent okay. amount of gore. <laughs> there was some good gore. I'm maybe pretty forgetting gory. a couple of scenes. <laughs> but, uh, you yes. know, I will credit the movie for just doing, you know, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a cheap way to, to, to just go hard in on the R sure. and, and get people to watch. And I respect it for not necessarily going all the way there. Sure. Yeah, and a and a and a couple of good good f bombs. I I thought. Um, I think there was a a LL Cool J. Um, can we get the fuck out of here at the mm-hmm. end? That's yep. that's a good use. And then uh, Sam Jackson's big speech right before he's just absolutely ripped down into the water. Uh, do we put that in like the Mount Rushmore of like? Well, we're. I think we need to just break down that scene. We, yeah. Okay. We're gonna break that up to be discussed. That's gonna All be part. Right, we'll that's gonna that be part down. of okay. our slow burn. All right. Yep. All right. Yep. I got to connect it to the F-bomb, and I'm pretty sure he says it in there. But. Does he drop one there? And well, and the only other one I can think of is a, kind of a line of dialogue that I, I, I kind of enjoyed very near the end where um, LL's sort of improvised Psalm 23. Do, mm-hmm. we, do we remember that? Yeah. Uh, where he says, I, I carry a big stick, and I'm the motherfucker in the valley. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't buy that. I thought it was fun. Well, that, that part of it was fine, but the fact that he was quoting psalm 23 you know and then remember brian he's very religious i know and that's what i hate about that that character home over and over and over and over again he's a sinner but he loves god i grew up religious and i've been around religious people my entire life and do you know how many of those people go around on a daily basis quoting scripture zero i mean come on that's not what (laughs) that's how much he loves god there's and that i'm sorry this is i may be getting into a slow burn here but there's a lot of god in this movie I think there's a lot of talk about the divine, a lot of things. God, there's one Sam part. Jackson is the continuous, or uh, Samuel, or L. Cool J is the continuous religious reminder of Samuel yeah, L. But it even L. Cool goes, it yeah, even goes beyond L. L. Cool J. Uh, with, like, I remember there's a part with uh, Rappaport, yeah. right, where yep. he, he says something like, I, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he kind of invokes God, and, uh, and then something immediately like karmic happens. Yep. And and yep. Yellow Cool J has some line for him, so I wish I remember the exact specifics of that. But regardless, there was just kind of a lot of um, allusions to God and the divine in this movie, which I thought was uh, notable. Yeah, I guess. that is notable. I would give it that. Okay, so Brian, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about what you like about this movie. Yeah, I just want to unflip more. it a bit. So yeah, let's let, we can we can talk a little more about about that. And I think we're going to do that in slow burn. And this, I'm not going to belabor this, but I just wanted to say a couple of things. I don't feel like I gave this movie a fair shake up front to, to kind of how I felt about it. I don't, I don't feel like I was able to really get, distill my thoughts down. And, and one of the things I wanted to say was, you know, I started off comparing, t- talking about the idea of comparing this movie to Jaws. And I would instead like to, to put out that um, this movie to me is like Jurassic Park meets Event Horizon. Look at you going... Such and such meets such and such meets. Is that what I do? Is that my shtick? <laughs> you just did it. No, oh, okay. I'm just saying you were joking about it last episode. So oh, I think right. last time you said you don't like it when movies can be summed like it up when like movies that. Do this, yeah. Why? Why would you ever listen to me? I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know why you would listen to what <laughs> I'm saying. But I do love your note about Jurassic Park because I have that also noted that this feels identical to it, but it is different in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it's it's not a. Beat for I, beat I, I didn't make or? that connection, but you guys are right. And in fact, we're seeing the scene right now in the kitchen where um, oh, this, the this, shark this is, is kind of I mean, straight this, out of Jurassic Park. This is yeah. straight out of Jurassic yeah, Park. And I guess that didn't, water. I didn't draw that Yeah, This is a great scene. We're talking about the it, scene. It actually, and this is the part of the scene that's stupid because it doesn't make any sense. But the scene we're talking about is um, Russell, 
um, LL Cool J is um, no, no. That, I'm sorry. Russell was Samuel L. Jackson. LL Cool J was a different. He's man. LL Cool J. Uh, yeah, he's LL Cool J. I don't remember what his what his character name was, but um, uh, he is in the kitchen and he gets uh, Sherman. It's his name, Sherman. And he goes in the in the bottom part of a two part oven, and then the gas gets flipped on, yeah. which is kind of cool. And the shark is about to get him, and you're like, how the hell is I he going to get out of this? I, I love that. I'm like, there's no way he's getting out of this. But it's like, oh wait, it's a it's a it's an upper decker yeah. oven or whatever a, you call it. Yeah, two part double, oven. So he has an axe in his hand, and he busts through and. Climbs Climbs out the top, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. That's neat. Of course, then he blows up a shark with a lighter. Doesn't make any sense. Um, what do you yeah. mean? The gas leak? He, he left the, the gas is on, comes out of the oven, he swims away, throws the lighter at the oven. So something that this movie doesn't right? understand about explosions <laughs> are that an explosion requires pressure. Yeah, and um, fire does not. So something combusting is just something flammable being lit on fire. And this is a common mistake a lot of Hollywood movies make, but an actual explosion requires pressure, and it requires some sort of container to be sort of, you know, exploded, basically, in a, a sudden release of pressure. That does not happen when you throw a lighter into a But, a, Brian, a ball it looks gas. so cool. Sure. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> so can I just point out a, a quick observation? I, did you call that an upper decker? I, 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 I should. And that I, only I, means I, one I, thing I know what me. an upper nice. decker is. Yeah. I, I, I knew when I said that. <laughs> I said that I, ha, I, ha, I would be remiss thank you for, if I didn't point that out. We all know what an upper decker is. That is not what happened here. It's a two-part But I wish oven. it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were no um, upper deckers in this movie. Uh, but, yeah, so, so I thought it was cool. Jurassic Park meets Event Horizon. And I feel like, Nick, you were talking about the sets here, just the persistent sort of, we're always in these sort of sci-fi-looking hallways, and there's like these alarm things going. It felt like Event Horizon to me, which is another, which is a movie that I hold near and dear. Um, and it's just very, very, very sci-fi vibes in this movie. And I, I liked that a lot. So I, so I feel like Jurassic Park meets Event Horizon. Um, but so, yeah, I just, I think that um, the other thing I'm going to point out here is... Um, since I already talked about just the surprises that happen in this movie. But the, the other thing I want to point out is the pressure, the, the, the way that water is treated in this movie. Water is actually treated pretty interestingly. The way that they have to solve a puzzle. So this movie basically, uh, after the inciting incident happens, um, they have to solve a puzzle. Uh, um, uh, the puzzle is how do we escape Aquatica, which is this massive facility mostly underwater. And, you know, we've got, we, we're playing with pressure. The water pressure is able to keep these uh, water gates sort of pressurized so the water doesn't come flooding in. There's these sealed doors that happen everywhere. There's three different levels. They're constantly trying to go up and down and figure out how to how to play with pressure. And water's rising. And sometimes they use water to sort of lift them up to an area that they wouldn't have been able to reach otherwise, but then still survive and not drown. And I think that that was really meticulously storyboarded and planned out before the movie. That just the because a lot of it actually makes sense. It may not be physically possible, but it makes sense. It's cohesive. I really appreciated um, how water was treated as sort of a. a, a an element, you know, or a whatever in this movie. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it a lot of credit for that. Can, can I say one quick thing about that? Yeah. So I, I actually had a note here. Is water the bad guy? And I think you could make an argument that it kind of is. Yeah. yeah. In, in a lot of ways. Not the least of which because no water, no sharks. For, true, true. So, Water's hey. the substrate for the sharks. And they are, I think they're more often trying to escape water or at least as often trying to escape water as a shark. So that's a really good point. It's an equal yeah. part, yeah, villain of them trying to escape this thing or control or figure out how to play against it, mm -hmm. especially with the pressure, the how the facility works. That's yeah, it's And just from a practical perspective, yeah. think about the hassle 
of shooting all of these scenes with water. I mean, you got to imagine water shoots have to be so uh, temperamental and expensive. I mean, th- like movies like Titanic and, and Deep Blue Sea. I mean, there's a lot of water going on here, and none of it's CGI. And man, that must have contributed a lot to that budget. So I, I respect that. Of course, how are you going to make a d- movie called Deep Blue Sea without water? Yeah, so you I, sort of practical, locked into that. The practical effects for the... I mean, Thomas Jane and uh, what's his name? Uh, rap going down into the water and they're fighting through cords and cables and all kinds of machinery. Mm-hmm. And I was, that would be a nightmare. You almost feel out. like they're in space for, for a lot of it. Almost like you're like on the bridge of a ship and you're looking at the big screen out into the, to, to the void. And I almost feel like I'm in, I'm in space. So the la- last thing I'll say is I'll kind of wrap up my, my waxing po- poetic on this movie. Um, when I think back to this movie, the first things I think of are number one, the Sam Jackson death scene. That's, that's just always going to be the first thing I think of. And number two, just, just water. Just like I don't know. It's just a, it's a vibrant water-based movie, and like scenes like the one we're seeing now, where the pressure, the pressure leaves the the bay, and the water starts shooting up out of the water gate. Oh, we're gonna have to close the door. They're gonna close yeah, the door well, it, while the water sure, is there's no way they, they, There's no way they close this door. Five hundred pound steel door. Yeah, but still, it looks cool. It's neat. It feels visceral, and those are the things that I really remember when I when I remember this movie. Oddly enough, I don't think of the sharks. So hmm. there you go. I, I'm done talking about what I like about this movie. At least. You know, in in this part, like imagine doing a second take of this scene. I know. Can you imagine? Like a second take. All right, re- reset, everybody. <laughs> yeah, drop the water down. Three days and four million dollars later. Yeah. The amount of time to drop that water up and down those so it looks consistent as it's rising. Because I thought they did a pretty good job of that. When you look back and like notice that it's here and then here, here, like there's no way logistically. Yeah, you're right. Ben, I wonder if they go. I wonder if they said, "All right." We are doing this in one take. <laughs> so whatever happens, happens. Yep, we're putting up 14 crash cams, and we're just doing it. <laughs> All right, this is Critical Mess. We're talking about Deep Blue Sea. I'm here with Brian. I'm here with Grizz. I'm here with Ben. And we are giving Deep Blue Sea some praise right now. Yeah. Um, as as we've, we've given our ratings, we all sort of like this movie. Grizz um, admits to liking this movie, even though his, his rating was in the 50s. So, uh, I mean, dare we venture on over to, to Brian's, Brian's special place? Hey, everybody. Welcome Brian's, to Brian's Corner. Um, it's going to be... Corner. Uh, it's gonna we be have got to get intro music for this. I know. I thought about, like, just, like, singing. Can you produce one? For no, yeah. I think yeah. it's kind of like say. a... I can, yeah. yeah I mean, just like one of those little... If you want to make, like, a quick bite, I can put it in. <laughs> okay. I'll do a little jingle. Yeah. I mean, I did compose the, the intro music and outro music for the podcast, so I, I, I'll do something. Sure. Yeah, like, just a trend, like... It's that. Yeah. Ben, you okay. need to soundbite that, and that is <laughs> yeah. what Nick just did. Yeah, a really nice auto tune yeah, to it, so it, it sounds real shitty. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah this, this will be a, a pretty brief one. I really, it's, uh, I've, I've got three questions uh, for the room, and I, I want to know, and it's a multiple choice answer, and I just want to, there's no right or wrong answer. I want I want to know what you select, okay? Uh, so, first of all, this movie has some good jump scares, and you know, I've, been, I've, I've lambasted jump scares a lot in previous episodes. Uh, but I think this movie does jump scares right for the most part. And I want to know, what is your favorite jump scare in this movie? And I've listed these five, and you're not allowed to choose one that's not on this list because there aren't any good ones that aren't on this list. I'm just kidding. If you have one, go for it. Number one, Jim's arm being bitten off. That's kind of the, the first one. So you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, now, now I know what we're in for. Second one, Russell's death, which... We're going to talk more about later, but that's Sam Jackson getting um, deleted mid-scene, mid-movie, unexpectedly. Number three, when the bird gets eaten by the shark, L. Cool J in the kitchen. Number four, 
Jim's dead body. So this is the Jaws one that Nick referred to. Jim's dead body when... Uh, uh, Tom, no, no, I'm sorry. This is not that one. This is a different one. Uh, Tom and Carter are going to turn on the power, and they're holding their breath underwater, and all of a sudden you see Jim's dead body, and it's a jump scare. That is what I... For, oh, that the is Jaws the one you... Thing. Yeah. Okay, yes. That yeah. is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the one you're talking about. And then number five, the fake shark behind Susan when she's open in the locker... And you think mm. that shark's about to get her, and it's that that callback to that first shark that she's the model that yeah. she's doing. Yeah, it was, the it was a nice on. little callback. I'll yeah. Give it to him. So once again, we got Jim's arm, Russell's death, the bird gets eaten, Jim's dead body, and the fake shark. What's your favorite of those five jump scares? Uh, I have to say the my favorite was probably the arm, just because it was like right at the turn of the first act. It was super abrupt, and I mean it was horrific. I mean he's fucking. He, they ripped his arm off, and it looks very real from the. The digital composite of the shark jumping out to grab it and then to the transition to him falling to the ground and slow-mo going back and then all the reactions of people's faces. I think that and was the, just... And the perfect. transition, right? Like It's like the way he's like, we did it, buddy. And yeah. And he's like, whack. And yeah, just and he's like, he's I mean, just crazy. chilling out with a cigarette in his hand. And he's yeah. just ready to go. He's like, ready to, you know, we did it. We're winners. Yeah. Nick? Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just going to go cliche. I'm going Russell. I mean, that's just a, it's a legendary moment. Yeah. And, and the first time I saw the movie, I it blew my mind. Yep. I have to say this last time I watched it, the one that actually legitimately jump scared me of the of all of them was the one was for some reason that shark behind Susan. That was a I, good one. It was. I, I forgot about that. I'm thinking yeah, she's I, dead. Yeah. So, yeah. What's she gonna do? Yeah. You know, and then just right there. It's, it's the it's the other shark. And I'm like, okay, that was good. So that's the one that actually jump scared me the most. But in the way that uh, it was executed, um, it's a close race between Russell's death and Jim's arm. But I think just in um, sheer kind of quality, I'm gonna go with Jim's arm. I think yeah. that was quality, just the best one. Uh, ben, do you want to chime in of those five? Which one's your favorite? I'm, I'm, I probably shouldn't answer this because uh, it was all funny to me. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right, that's right. Yes, I remember. I, I remember what you're referring to. Ben was in an altered state for this yeah. uh, viewing. Okay, well, well, free, feel free to chime in with your answer on these if you, if okay. you, if you're so inclined. Thank um, you. Second question: uh, There were some great death scenes in this movie. A lot of death scenes. All of the death scenes, almost, were in this movie. And I want to know, what's the best death scene to you? The first one, um, Brenda getting exploded. <laughs> Do you remember Brenda? Up in the, yeah, yeah she gets popped. Yeah. She gets popped by that explosion, yeah. and she, this shows her body flying back, right? Mm. Poor Brenda. Uh, number two, Russell eaten by the shark. Number three, Janice getting eaten by the shark. So Janice is the, uh, the other chick with the blonde hair. Yep. Mm-hmm. She freaking gets eaten by a shark, you guys. I had forgotten about that. Do you remember that? Yeah, with the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, because she, you, you think she drowns. Yeah, you think she goes down and, and then oh, she Oh, it's, it's coming up right up. here. Yeah, We're seeing it right up. here. You think she drowns, and then you're like, oh, it's kind of that trope where you think someone's like the Luke Skywalker in the, in the trash pit trope. You right. think they're dead. Then they come up after way too long. And you, you can think, tell oh, she's they're okay. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> but this one does a spin and on that because she comes up, but she's fucking being like raised in, up by a shark that yeah. she's in its jaws up. And let me say, that shark is just, that is a pure crotch munch that that shark's got going on. I mean, it is just biting right where... The sun don't shine. So crotch munch is a new term we've coined. To yeah, to yeah. a future crotch munch. On you ta- that's my LL- thrash metal band name. What are you talking about? Oh, crotch munch. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one with LL Cool J at the end. So he gets chomped right there at the end. Yep. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so 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 there's that one, okay. And then number four, um, Jim gets rammed into the glass by the shark. Jim uh, is still in Skarsgård. He's underwater. Yep. He's still alive in that stretcher, and he gets rammed into that glass by the shark. That's number four. The fifth jump, uh, the fifth uh, death scene. Uh, Tom getting bitten in half by the shark, um, and then the little foot twitch. The bottom. Yeah, that was a nice gone. touch. That was nice, a nice touch. Twitch, right? Yeah. Real nice. And then number six, finally, Susan being torn in half by the shark at the end. So again, 
Run it down. Brenda exploded. <laughs> Russell eaten by the shark. Janice eaten by the shark. Jim rammed into the glass. Tom bitten in half by the shark with a foot twitch. Susan bitten in half by the shark. What is the best death scene? Definitely Susan. Pure gratification for me. Okay. My least favorite character. Glad to see her go. Wish it would have happened an hour earlier. Ooh, I, I don't know. I think it's Sam Jackson getting eaten right there out of the tank. That was just a shocker, and it was... It was just a lot of fun to watch. I mean, he was so passionate and so confident and cocky and just gone in an instant. <laughs> so, I think I'm going to go Janice for the for the reasons we just said. Just because it's I kind get of it. a spin I on the I fully trope. understand that though. Yeah, but but both of your answers are not wrong. The uh, foot twitch got me. Foot twitch, yes. yes. Foot twitch was good. I love <laughs> that, that sent me. I was like, oh. You want you wonder if that's like the guys in post with like a, like an extra an extra afternoon on their hands and they're like, hey, let's add a foot twitch in, you know. Yeah. Or if that was straight from the top. That took that was like 75 week. grand in Yeah, it took an extra yeah, week of animation. Yeah. I don't know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Uh, last question in Brian's corner. What's the jingle again? That's way different. <laughs> That's like a sitcom. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> it should be different every time. Um, last question for you guys in Brian's corner. What's the worst common movie trope in this movie? And I'm going to list four movie tropes that I hate. Number one, the zealot. I'm calling it the zealot. When someone is always bringing God into every line of dialogue, real people don't do that. Number two, the butthurt unrich people, okay? Everyone hates the rich guy simply for being rich. Sam Jackson, he's, he's financing all of Aquatica. He comes in there, everybody hates him and is hating on him and is mean to him just because he's rich. Number three, the, what I'm calling the encyclopedia, common movie trope. One character knows way more than anyone would know about everything in this movie, all the way down to the tensile strength of support columns. I'm referring to Michael Rappaport's character. He knows every minute stat about every single possible thing. That's what I'm calling the encyclopedia. Big movie trope, no, no. And number five, sorry, number four, explosions. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, explosions don't really happen in real life very, very often. Uh, it's much more common that things just catch fire. So the helicopter explosion, that helicopter crashes into the, t- the, the tower, and the whole facility above water explodes. It's Dude, like a 19-minute long explosion. It crashes into that tower at least 35 times. It's a yeah. chain reaction. And then a bunch of... T- everything explodes. Yeah, it was everything. just tanks of gasoline. And- the only yeah, yeah. reason that the rest of Aquatica doesn't explode is because it's underwater, I guess. Mm, Otherwise, yeah. it would have exploded. It's like a Steven Seagal movie. It just, just yeah. blows up over and over and over <laughs> yeah. again. He and, kicked it and it blew up. And then we talked yeah. about the oven explosion where instead of the gas just igniting, it explodes, right? So, so those are four movie tropes that I'm identifying and that I am a little tired of. The zealot, the butthurt unrich people, the encyclopedia, and explosions. What, which one are you just saying, uh, this is my least favorite? Explosions for me. I, I had a note about that. I thought they were ridiculous. And I appreciate a good explosion, but good gravy. Just, it was a little much. Yeah, they went huge with those. I'm going to go with explosions. But I give a little bit of credit to uh, Samuel Jackson's character because he was also there to shut it all down because they were blowing through money and they weren't getting results. So maybe he was there. I mean, that's why they didn't like him. But My answer um, is almost the encyclopedia because I can't stand that kind of lazy writing. But just barely edging that out is the zealot. And we've talked about it before. I just couldn't stand being hit over the head with God in every single sentence. Yeah. Was rap the... Was he the comic relief or was he the computer smarts guy? Which one did he play? I don't think he. I don't think they knew. Yeah, I don't think they knew either. Yeah, yeah. Confusing. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks for joining me in Brian's corner. It's always cozy over here, and we're gonna send it back to the main podcast now. 
And we're back. <laughs> so I think it's time to get into our our arguably most legendary segment. I don't I actually it's not even arguable. It's the most legendary it's, segment of any well, I won't say it any is. Podcast. And it used to be called Rapid Fire. It's still called Rapid Fire. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was Rapid Fire, and then Grizz, I think you renamed it Crossfire. I think it just should be called Rapid Fire with a picture of a turtle. Yeah, didn't he sing the Crossfire yeah, jingle from good. the from the nineties? He said he sang Crossfire, yeah. Crossfire. Yeah, what, is that it? Yeah. yeah. You guys remember the board game Crossfire with you? You shoot the little yeah. ball bearings with yep. the. That's yeah. what we're talking about. That's the the board. That's game the jingle. jingle for it. Oh, for that. Oh, yeah. that was for that yeah. game. That the oh, sorry. That's, so I, I, that's yeah, so my, my brain subconscious oh, was like, the, yeah, yeah. but I don't remember that song. <laughs> we're not talking about the other kind of crossfire. Google. I thought you were, thought you were talking about the CNN show or whatever. No, no. <laughs> there's a third type of crossfire. All all listeners go and Google just crossfire '90s commercial, and you'll just listen to that jingle in the background. Well, I won't. Just... I won't talk about the third one then, because maybe maybe we were weird when we were kids. But uh, anyway, now what's it called, Nick? Uh, these days. It goes by a new moniker, and that is the slow, 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 sweet, slow burn. And Sweet, slow burn. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think it's going to burn <laughs> pretty slow tonight. Uh, hopefully not too slow, though. I mean, goodness gracious. Well, we're aiming for rapid fire still. That's all we, yeah, we, we are. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. So here we go. We're just going to, we're going to pop right in. Boom. And, and we're just going to see where this goes. So I want to talk uh, slow burn. I mean, rapid fire. Okay, opening sequence, opening sequence. Punishing promiscuous teenagers in their 20s and 30s. Well, no, wait. Those wouldn't be teenagers. Punishing <laughs> promiscuous young people. Um, speaking of tropes, goodness gracious, how do we feel about that opening sequence of this film? Hated it. Was it just a, a little cute callback to Jaws? I feel like Jaws started, right? Didn't Jaws start the same way? I don't remember line? how Jaws starts. I think it starts similarly. It with starts with the, 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 yeah, swimming in the water, yeah. the, the guy yeah. and the girl. And yeah, the guy and the, the girl. They're like, skinny dipping or whatever. Out. Yeah. I hated it because it's four people and they're on this boat. And doesn't the one guy say to the other guy, "It's a party," or "We're having a party," or something like that? Like, if you have to say out loud that you're you're having a party when <laughs> there's four people literal. on a boat, it was cringe. Yeah, I I think I kind of agree with that. I, I there were two little notes about that scene. There was one actually really cool, like top of the mast shot that that like only lasted for a second or two, but it was just a very unusual and cool shot. Was just the very top of the mast of the boat, and it was like this bird's eye view thing that was just weird. They included it, but I thought it was kind of cool. Um, and then the whole, you know, knocking the bottle of wine into the water, the whole blood in the water thing, and the sinking teddy bear in the water—it was all a little heavy-handed. Well, once our again. producer Ben asked before the show was the was the shark a sommelier? Because right, why did why does right because he's attracted attract- right. I yeah. thought that was a good statement. Uh, he's just attracted to horny teens. I mean, that's yeah, just, sure. I think, just like all shark, like a good shark, <laughs> like a good shark would be. Um, okay. So, uh, rapid fire. Grizz, do you have anything to say about that? No, no, no it was, it's still rapid. Let's not make it slow. Nope. Yes. Okay, good. Rapid. Nice. Nice, Grizz. Nice. The spirit of the segment. Okay. <laughs> I, I love how I just told Grizz not to talk. <laughs> All right, well, Grizz, how about you're going you're gonna to start on this, on this next one? I thought it was a little unusual. Samuel L. Jackson, he's rather aloof and uninformed about his $200 million fucking dollars in, in 1999 dollars investment into this facility, and he doesn't even know like where it is or what it's called or what the fuck they're even doing. Thoughts? <laughs> Just another billionaire, I guess. I don't know. Just blowing his money on stupid shit. Yeah, it seems underdeveloped. You think? Yeah. 
I, I just, I, it struck me. I, I don't know. Yeah, that no, I agree. Cool, I, I, did, I did, didn't even think about that until now. Yeah, he just seemed very uninformed. You know, if yeah. I'm going to drop 200 mil, I'm going to be like, at least, I want to know what the place is called, you yeah. know? It just seems like they needed to write a reason for that situation to exist, and they, they, they lazy, it was lazy writing to get him into that facility. It was. I mean, he must have had a lot of money. Did the yeah. other guy talk that was sitting to the desk in that opening scene? I don't even remember. The other finance guy that was sitting at the, the, the big executive oh, yeah. desk, and then Not really. Sam Jackson was just standing in the back. That was kind of a weird scene. He was kind of like well, standing bad. behind like, him. Why was, he, why was yeah. that character there? Oh, yeah. That is. There it is. Okay. All right. We're rapid firing. Here we go. The way LL Cool J is feeding that bird with the whipped cream... <laughs> And talking about its tongue, <laughs> I found that very unsettling. Mm, Anyone yeah. want to elaborate on that at all? It's just a beautiful love story. Yeah, it's, I mean, he ultimately says, I'm killing you because you killed my bird, you know? Uh, okay, so that's why the bird's there, is to give him fire to fight for something dear to him. That but then once he has struggles in the water area, and he's like, oh, fuck that, and he's, he's done looking for the bird... In the hallway, do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, just, but, but I guess we, I guess we've gotten off topic uh, as to why uh, with the whipped cream. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a it's it was weird. And the tongue talk, it yeah. was it was odd. And for for they paused for how much way. he loved that bird, he just called it bird. Well, that was another. I, think, was they, gonna, I think they were yeah. trying to be funny. <laughs> they they that wasn't funny. Well, yeah, well, I I that was actually another rapid fire I had was oh, my the bad. bird. No, no, no. I think it's worth bringing it up now. The bird's name was Bird. What the fuck? Like they couldn't even spend three seconds like thinking about a bird name, and it was. And I guess I didn't even think that they were like trying to be funny. I guess at one point in time when he was yelling, he was going bird, bird. I, I kind of caught me, and I was like, oh, they're trying to be funny, and it wasn't. <laughs> I guess all right. Well, yeah, at least they were trying something. I guess maybe it wasn't just pure laziness. I, I didn't know what to think of that. All right, rapid fire. Come up with one bird name. Go. I mean, fucking Polly. If it, just whatever. Toto. Uh, Leroy? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right, here we go. Rapid fire. Uh, Thomas Jane and Josh Lucas are the exact same fucking person. Convince me otherwise. Who's Josh Lucas? I got to exactly. Josh Lucas. He's Thomas Jane. Oh. It's the same person. They look the same. They're in the same kinds of shitty movies. They're, you know, it's the same era. It's the same dude. I literally thought it was the same dude. Josh Lucas is the movie. Weirdly, oh, I think yeah. of him is uh, okay. uh, Poseidon. Is yeah. the movie I think of Josh, but he's in other. He's in other. Oh no! Stuff. I, see, they're not the same to me because I saw. I, I think I, I recognize him a lot from uh, A Beautiful Mind. I don't recognize him as okay. much anywhere near as much as Thomas Jane and, and I, Punisher. I, oh yeah. I think yeah. I think I really I, I I loved that movie. Like I was way into that movie a lot, and he was a big part of that movie, and so I think that. Uh, differentiated him from me, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Can I give you one real quick? Yeah. Fire it off. Um, do you remember when the shark bit Jim's arm off? We've talked about this a few times before. Remember yep. that scene, right? Of course. So they're dealing with a shark that's like this genetically engineered shark that's like super deadly and it's a predator, apex predator. It's going to kill them all, you know, regardless. And then, of course, it bites Jim's arm off. And then... Carter decides, oh shit, you all, oh, and he's gonna kill it, right? He's like, I'm about to kill this shark, and then they like make made him not kill it. What cha what changed f to make him want to kill this shark? I it was already a shark. I know it was capricious. Okay, thank you. It, I totally agree with that's, that. That's I, I kind of noticed that. That's a great rapid fire word. Continue. 
so yeah, well, actually, let's. Here's a rapid fire in that from that same scene. I, we just really stuck on the rip, the arm rip off. It was a great scene. Great scene. It was a great scene. But okay, a solid, I'd say, thirty to forty five seconds of slow mo after the arm gets ripped off. It looks good. It's bright. It's a sexy arm rip. But I feel like that's a lot of slow mo. It's a lot of slow mo. And this movie, not even just that scene. This movie kind of abuses slow mo. I feel like and. Yeah, that just kind of struck me. Thoughts. Even that scene switches between two different types of slow mo. Switches it, between yeah, high right. frame rate yeah, slow mo and, and low strange. frame rate slow yeah. mo. Slow mo. So good point. It, so it, it mixes them in. But I actually I feel like it added to the scene for me, the slow mo in that. In that. It, 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 was, it was it was almost like the movie was saying like, all right, strap in, people. Yeah, this, this is where it's going to ramp up from this moment. Yeah, I get that. Yep. But there was a lot of slow mo. Yes, your astute observation. I feel like I feel like Bird. Had had a had a death wish. It was taunting yeah. the shark. I, f- I heard Brian Cox in my mind. It was like the bird wants to die. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, just going after that shark. Uh, when Susan cuts her hand, do you guys remember when she cuts her of own course, hand? Yep. Um, why did red maple syrup come out of the wound? I noticed how bad that looked too. I actually did notice that. I mean, how hard is it to make? I know, something just make that, some blood. Look it's yeah. 1999. You should figure that out by now. It was like yeah. the wrong color, the wrong viscosity. You could it, see, was like it was like just, almost it was, translucent. It was weird. That was they also out, they ran out of budget. Yeah, they were out, yeah. so. <laughs> they were just out of blood, guys. <laughs> just done. Also, did she need to go that deep? I mean, that was a gnarly yeah. cut. That was that was gnarly. They spent too much on the foot twitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, line of dialogue. Line of dialogue. They're big, real big. What? The size of your brass balls. Brass balls, baby. Mm. What do we think of that line? Who says that? Rap. It was, yeah, Rappaport to uh, Jane. As they're climbing the ladder. Kind of toward the end. Yeah. What's the significance of balls being brass? Is that a thing? You can't break them. Okay, so that's Mm -hmm. that's Tough, yeah. If your balls are brass, they're unbreakable. Yeah, balls okay. are brass. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll buy that. Okay. Buy it. Okay. The music that plays when people get killed. It's like that. It's like kind of kind of some very horror music. It's like this like, you know, soprano kind of wail. I actually really enjoyed the soundtrack to this when it came to like the orchestra and the yeah. It felt it had weight to every death. I'm going to say the music during the death scenes um, enhanced the death scenes because they were done very well. Mm-hmm. Minus okay. the last song. <laughs> oh, God, that last song. We'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We will. We're almost there. Here's a quote that struck me. I think this is one of the worst quotes I've ever heard. Death is always useless, Doctor. Yeah, see, that's false because death is the way that Extremely life works. useful sometimes. Yeah, it's, well, it's literally <laughs> the way that life works. I mean... Stars explode, and that's why we're here. You know, trees die, and that's why new trees grow. I mean, death is literally part of life. So that, that was a really, really terrible line of dialogue that I feel like a seven-year-old wrote. It's a terrible line of dialogue. Anyways, we talked about how stiff and bad the dialogue is. Could we have just cut this movie down to 39 minutes and just removed a shit ton of dialogue, and it would have been better? Because we could have just assumed or just figured things out on our own. Would have been a lot of water, a lot of action. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think there could have been a lot more uh, scenes where the there's there's a lot more there's it's, there's quiet mm-hmm. and and tension and then builds. Boom. Yeah, yeah, and you know you're sort of like hearing and peering around corridors and things like that. There wasn't quite enough of that for me. Hmm. Guys, can I say I think we're at least at like medium fire tonight. 
So we're doing good. I, I, I want to. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. This is critical mess. We're talking about deep blue sea. We're deep, deep in the throes of our segment. Who the fuck knows what it's called? Um, and we are sponsored tonight. A final call out to our sponsors, the Quad sponsors tonight. We've got Modelo. We've got Buffalo Trace. We've got 1792. We've got Liquid Death because we're staying fucking hydrated. Grizz, we need to we need to finally address this. He's ignoring the Celsius in the room, which is oh, that's which is true. He by is by far the best beverage, better than Liquid Death. We I mean, Celsius, come holler at your boy because we you got a couple of Celsius fanboys in the room. Actually, yep. yeah, and a few. I, I got, I don't know if you guys have seen what Celsius stock has done over the last couple of years, but they've got some money to burn. Man, oh so, wow! So uh, Celsius, holler at hey, us! Hey. Actually, you're our new favorites. I'll even it's got caffeine in it, right? Oh yeah. I don't oh, drink yeah. caffeine, but Celsius, you sponsor us, and I will drink some fucking. We do caffeine. a little. We do a little Celsius Buffalo Trace mixer. Yeah. Mm, yeah. There you go. So hey, I've got some. I know you got some more there too, but I just want to, um, as promised, we wanted to read a couple of the actual audience reviews. Um, these are short and sweet. And so I'm going to read uh, their actual rating and then their little blurb that they write. And these are really stupid, most of them. Some are okay. And I want to get you guys' reactions to these reviews, okay? I want you guys to tell me how stupid or smart this review is. So we're rating the review. Yeah, or, or you just res- you, you could just respond to it. Just, just, just give me a vocabulary word. Give me an adjective, if okay. you will. Or you can give Got me it. an out of 10, right? Okay, first one here. This person uh, rates Deep Blue Sea a 7 out of 10, and this is what they say about it. Is so bad that is rarely surprisingly entertaining. Apoplectic. I, ooh, yeah. I would agree with it, weirdly. You would agree that this person says that they hated the movie and then gave it a 7 out of 10? Read it again. Let me reiterate, yep. this person clicked 7 yes. out of yes, 10. 7 out of 10. Read it again. Read it again. Is it. so bad yeah. that is rarely surprisingly entertaining. Yes. Same with my review. What do you mean 55? by yes? What the fuck are you ready? talking about? You this isn't an adjective. No, you say, yeah, but the are debate saying... is no different than what we're saying. I rated a 55 out of 100. No, no, no. You're not rating the, the fucking I, movie. But You're I rating enjoyed this it. review. But I enjoyed it. Uh, he's saying I rated a seven out of ten. Grizz, and it's a bad movie, said, but I loved it. Is so bad <laughs> with two O's on the so, and he gives it a seven out of ten. All right, fucking moving on. All right, next one. It's better. It's better uh, this person gives it a one out of ten, and they say unwatchable. Full stop. Yeah, the that's, person's a jackass. Fuck them. But but yeah. at least they're con- yeah. But yeah, unwatchable. Really unwatchable. Know, that's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, guys, for... Now we're on track. Next one. (laughs) Best... uh, So this person rates it 10 out of 10. Okay? This is their rating. Best movie I have ever seen. 10 out of 10 laughs. The rap at the end really summed up the movie well. Your life vest is off, and that turns me on. Insightful. (laughs) What do you got? Incredible. Okay, yeah, great. Perfect. Next review. This person gives it a 2 out of 10. Ew! With 15 exclamation points. Not funny or original. However, Samuel Leroy Jackson lost his character to the bad shark. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Next one. This person also gives it a 2 out of 10. Dumb. Cringe. Over the top in a bad way. Shark movie starring random people off the street. Very forgettable and very 90s. Just go for a walk or something. <laughs> forgettable? Go fuck yourself. Random people off the street? What? Next one. Six out of ten. I'm just a bit confusing for me to watch this. 
Why did he get a special character voice? Or she. That This is what this person sounds like. You guys, these are the people. I didn't hack into these people's computers and steal their personal files. They put this on the public internet. Everyone's reading this. And this is what they wrote. I'm just a bit confusing for me to watch this. <laughs> you a- can edit your ratings. Even if you accidentally put something on Rotten Tomatoes that's Brian, stupid. I'm a bit confusing, too. <laughs> Perfect. I are confused. What about this one? 10 out of 10 outstanding performances. What do you guys think? Great performances? Is that what defines this movie? 10 out of 10? Great performances? 10 out of 10? Outstanding performances. I would say contrarian and bold. I like it. Hot take. I like it. Just a couple more here. Um, Number two. uh, Sorry, not number two. Two out of 10. Okay, you guys. Grizz, lock eyes with me because I really want you to hear this one. This person gives this movie a two out of 10. And this is what they say about it. Awesome movie. <laughs> a lot of intense scenes. Definitely a top five shark movie for me. <laughs> Two out of ten? I, I'd say misclick. You're fat, probably right. He fat fingered yeah. that thing for he sure. Mean, he meant to give it a 20. Damn it, you're right. Okay. He meant to give it a 20 out of 10. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, here's one. Two out of ten. This, this guy's pretty simple. Uh, should be called Deep Brown Shit. <laughs> I just, that person thought that was such a good joke, and it's just mm-hmm. not very funny. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> Nope. Uh, four out of ten. When LL is the standout actor, maybe you need to rethink casting. Mm-hmm. Guys, is LL the standout ca- uh, actor? The, the person just thought that was like a smart observation, and once again, stupid. Apparently. Yeah. Nope. Okay, and then last one here. Two out of ten. Would be half a star, except for Jackson's death scene. And no, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> Yes, that fucking is a spoiler. I mean, that's the ultimate spoiler. The yeah. ultimate spoiler. Yeah, that was a big one for sure. Is that so, ironic? So, guys, ironic? I think that I think that's, that's a that perfect. Was, that I think that's a perfect transition. We need to talk about the scene, okay? Oh, yeah. Just for yeah. a second, we got to talk about the scene. It is clearly, you know, it's one of the most sort of surprising and jolting sequences in any movie ever. I would say. I don't think that's too far to say that. I. It's what I remember from the movie. It's what's what everyone remembers from this movie, and for good reason, because it is. Uh, and I talked way at the start of this episode about how this movie takes risks, and uh, damn, that was a risk. That was a huge risk, killing your probably, uh, actually, definitely most famous actor in the middle of the movie for sure during a scene that just seemed like a pretty standard sort of rallying cry speech. And he just gets murked by this shark just in the snap, just right in the middle of it. It's, I think it's obviously awesome, iconic, brilliant scene that brings this movie up single-handedly. That 10, 15 seconds brings this movie up to a new echelon single-handedly, in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like I just talked a lot, so I'm, I'm letting, I'm giving you uh, I would risk. strongly agree with that. I th- what do you think Sam Jackson would think of that now? That was like peak his power. He could go do whatever he wanted. And do you think he was mad that his character was killed right there? No, no, he loved it. No, he 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 took this movie for that scene. He got the same paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And I love how he just gets crunched up at the end of that scene by the shark. Like they don't. It's not like he just gets you know. Oh no, he's been chomped into like it a show, few yeah, times. They show, yeah, yeah, yeah he, he doesn't like fall into a deep chasm crunch. and you don't see yeah. him die. So I'm gonna agree with you, Nick. I I think that um, this movie is actually doing something brilliant there. And this movie is, is doing something that it actually does throughout the movie. 
uh, and this is the biggest case of it, and that is as soon as you have a little glimmer of hope, this movie pulls the rug out from under your feet. Mm -hmm. yep. It keeps pummeling you, and it keeps uh, uh, making you have to just barely survive by the skin of your teeth, and it takes all the wind out of your sails and is evident by the very end where there's like literally two people left. And that is the, the crux of it, is when he gives that rousing speech, like, okay, we're, we're going to get through this, and then he gets killed. I haven't see, really seen that in a movie before. No, I don't this think. was like yeah. peak slasher film moments where he, you have just really great, you just moments of these characters, they're about to turn to their, you know, their character arcs and everything and then they just get eaten alive. It's awesome. Yeah, it has like five points for me at least. Yeah, yeah. great scene. Alright, just a couple more uh, rapid fire slash slow burns here. So, uh, we 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 said we were going to get back to this, Brian. You noted there is um, no nudity in this film, which for kind of an R-rated B movie, you kind of expect that. You kind in of expect the water, that. yeah. However, toward the end of the film, uh, Susan, um, I mean, let's just not sugarcoat it. She kind of has to get naked to kill the shark. Yep. Um, she doesn't get buck naked, but she gets down to her skivvies. And it just felt so B-movie to me. It's like the only way we can overcome this this vile, evil creature is just we got to get this chick naked. we got to get the main character naked. She couldn't naked. find any other wetsuit in the room to stand on. Or, no. With or all any, the things that anything, are in this room. Anything. She could only find the one she was wearing. Mm -hmm. God bless him. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think, and actually, we're hitting the credits here, which means, good, good Lord, we need to wrap this episode up. <laughs> but we're having fun. We're having fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, here, here I, a couple, just two more slow burns for the for the end of the episode here. Do you guys remember what the last line of dialogue in this movie was? Oh, I man. might have written it down. You ready? I knew there it was a lot. but I, I don't here remember we go. this one. It's, I wrote a lot of this down. It didn't. It didn't. I, I'll just give it to you. It didn't. I, I, it was a strange line of dialogue. I thought to end the film on, and it was, "Take me back to the ghetto," <laughs> and. Thomas Jane, Amen. Now that made sense because the movie was all about God. I've, we've gotten into that. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Um, but take me back to the ghetto. Like, I mean, I mean, that's a that's a fun line. But like, does it feel like the line you end the film on? This is the moment. I don't in know. The film where I just this happened throughout the whole movie. But this was the worst part where it was one liner after one liner, and it would not end. It was Carter, bring me some sushi, and he screams it across as he after he you know blows the shark up, and then he goes forty five foot shark, and you hit me. And then they go, take me back to the ghetto, amen. And they just went back and forth with one-liners, like they they just left the takes in, like the different gags. Okay. In. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I think there were right, at least yeah. one or two more in there that I forgot, but those were great. And then we got to talk about the song. We got to talk about the song in the closing credits, performed by the one and only LL Cool J. Clearly, as it reads on screen, deepest bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin. And I and I think <laughs> that's actually. Is that what the... I, I think that's the hook, right? Deepest, bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin. My hat's like a shark's fin, yeah. I don't get that. Let's let's just... Let's pull that apart. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to? I want to I get into it. What are we talking about here? Is he the shark? Is he... Is he... Is he swimming underwater? Is he sneaking up on you? My hat's I mean, like I thought I was thing. hearing, like, so when I heard this last night, I thought I was, like, hearing the lyrics, like, it was like, I'm hearing a word wrong, uh -huh. or it's like, I'm very, it's very close to something like my hat or something, but, no, I think the, the, the subtitles on screen are corroborating. Yeah, yeah. My hat is like a shark's fin. What do you guys Straight think? Straight, flat bill. 
I mean, it, it could only mean that he that isn't he underwater, isn't he sneaking up on you? Isn't he like coming through the water to get you? His right? hat? Because <laughs> I can only think I mean, of a, a flat it, bill hat. I picture that he's wearing a shark's fin hat. <laughs> well, the thing is, and we're seeing it on screen again. He just says it over and over and over again. It's not. It's like a one line hook. It's like he just says, "My hat that's is like cor- a shark's that's the fin." Chorus. Yeah, that's over. I just feel like this dude just like he just took a bunch of mushrooms and he's like, "I need to just do a song yeah, for this movie." Yeah, that's, this is phone. And in. he's just like, "My hat is like a shark's fin." Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> just. And that's where we landed. Um, but a bigger question, this is something that, that happens occasionally. How do we feel about, I mean, it's also a very 90s thing, but, but wraps, custom wraps mm. for the movie. Well, I'm, not, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I, it's very you know, 90s. It's very 90s. I've yeah. never been a fan of it. I'd, I'd rather hear an overture of the actual soundtrack during the credits, not some kind of pop song that takes yeah, me completely, completely out of the movie. completely unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I think... Perhaps a, a good um, exception to that would be um, Vanilla uh, Vanilla Ice, uh, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Okay. In uh, the second Teenage Ninja Turtle, and t- that, my goodness, can't speak, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Isn't that the second one that's Go Ninja, Go? I Go believe Nin- it is. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, that's a great With, movie uh, rap. Vanilla Ice? No, that's the... No, Vanilla yeah, Ice. Yeah, the second one, yeah. Vanilla yeah, Ice, that's yeah. A, that's a great movie rap. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, I think generally speaking, the movie rap is... Kind of a, kind of a sad little story that comes at the end of the movie. I'd rather I'd rather a a a, not necessarily a rap, but like a pop song that matches the movie be played in the credits. Like a perfect example is when uh, Rage Against the Machine "Wake Up" plays right at the end of The Matrix. That is like one of the yeah, perfect that's a good that's a good song one. outros yeah. of a movie ever. That's a really good one. It felt yeah. futuristic. It felt part of the yeah. I get that. Can I just point out, Brian, you only brought up The Matrix twice this episode. I know. I know. So, Sorry. like, I mean, we're getting better. I need to, <laughs> I need to get my three <laughs> quota. We're, we're on the right trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Where are my Matrix fans at? <laughs> Holla. Anyway, okay. So, guys, do you have any more rapid firing? The only one I have is this movie says the name of the movie in the movie, and we, we've talked oh, about I that before. Oh, I didn't notice that. When does that happen? Um, it happens about three quarters of the way through the movie, and somebody says something about the deep blue sea, like take you mm. out to the deep blue sea. I don't remember the context, but I do, I do remember that it was said in the movie. I didn't mind it. Because I guess this one, it could be a little bit more of a natural, unlike Vanilla Sky, yeah, where you would never sure. hear those two words together. Yeah. This is more of a, nat- you know, deep blue sea. I get those are words you hear together. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Nick know. and I can't pinpoint where it was said in the film. I think that's passable. Yeah. Actually, that's a good litmus test for the fact that yeah. it's passable, is that none of us if, remember when it was said. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Boom. There you go. It's kind of a, kind of a cliche, though. It's kind of a common phrase. Yeah. We wouldn't really yeah. notice it. But I do think that's an interesting question. And I would say, overall, I kind of don't like it when movies say And I remember you, at, you posed this question a couple podcasts ago, and I, so I've been very aware of it. It would be fun then. to put a little list together yeah. of yeah. And, yeah, some examples. Okay. That's it for me. That's all, that's all my rapid fires. All right, like I said, I think this was a, a medium crossfire tonight. Um, I, I'm pretty happy with where we crossfire. landed. Where we landed on this, um, we'll get music for this segment as well. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening to um, this um, evening's episode. We had a lot of fun watching this movie. We hope you had fun listening. We really appreciate everyone who listens to this episode, each and every one of you. And if you made it this far. Um, my goodness, you are a, a saint and a and just a, a a king among men or queen, 
king or queen among men. I think if you made it this far, and you, women, it was playing on your laptop or something, and you just got up and walked away, and that's why or, it's still playing. Or you fell asleep, and we're now like kind of reverberating in your ears as yeah. you dream about. It's morning some weird, now. You should be waking yeah. up and ready for work. <laughs> right. Yes. So wake up. Anyways, regardless, if it's still playing, you're fucking awesome. So. Um, Next week we've got another movie, or ne- in two weeks, I believe. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to have another another film. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a newer movie. We promise been... this movie's not from the years between 1998 and 1999. That's correct. Mm. We have gotten out of those two years. Um, and yeah, this is a, a newer film. It's a, a film I haven't seen, but I will admit, I really want to see this movie. Um, and I and, and I would say mostly I want to see it because of the the medium it promotes. Um, it's 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 it is my favorite of all mediums, and that is the world of video games. And that movie in question is the Super Mario Bros. movie. And I'm hyped. I really am. Um, I I should have seen this by now. Uh, Mario is such a, a formative part of my my childhood, and and I've heard the movie is pretty good, and it sounds breezy, and fun, and uh, my expectations are obviously high. So we're gonna get into it in the next episode, and I'm I'm pumped. I have a feeling there's gonna be, we're gonna we're gonna be at odds. W- at least two of us are gonna be way on the ends of the spectrum. I really hope Brian's that gonna hate this movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. I'm it excited. I'm so. really excited, and I hopefully we won't have to hit the explicit tab when we submit the episode on this next one. <laughs> what no. are you saying? We definitely will for this one. Wait, so I'm getting conflicting messages. Nick wants me to say fuck more, and you want me to say frick more. No, I'm just saying which is between it? this episode, which is a rated R, Deep Blue Sea, oh. and next episode, which is going to be Super Mario Bros., I have a feeling we're going to say fuck and shit and swear a lot less. Well, I'll say those words if just depending on my... Let's guys, let's let's bleep them. <laughs> let's do a count. Let's bleep oh, all yeah. our cuss we words. Bleep, we yes. can bleep them. Let's yeah. bleep our okay. fucking cuss words in the next episode. <laughs> Producer Ben, thank you yes. for doing that. You guys, ben, I'll, I'll have your work cut out for you, buddy. I'll, I'll, I can edit that one. I can not edit that a, one. Not a single person is getting bleeped. <laughs> 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 can it be like a car horn or like a? a we'll bird, figure something. A coin out. noise. Ding. We'll figure something out. A coin noise. Coin noise. Yeah. Anyways, thank you everyone for listening. We love doing this podcast. We're gonna keep doing them. And we will see you all next time. See ya. Later.